Hey, Dunkerpunks. Feeling like injustice keeps growing in our world? Take a listen to this song by Friends with the Weather as we talk today about how love makes a way for justice and peace. How many trembling miles? How many steps from home? Yearning and terrified to be seen. What awaits a land of promise or the walls of an empire? A cell block or a sanctuary? Finding sanctuary all. Can you hear the angels sing? Can you hear the angels sing? Love makes a way 
Welcome to the Dunker Punks podcast. I'm your host, Jacob Kraus. The theology and philosophy behind the lovely song we just heard, and actually this podcast in general, stems from Christianity and Anabaptist brethren beliefs. But like we've talked about before, the catchy quotability of our name, Dunker Punks, and actually um, this phrase from the song, Love Makes a Way, come from Jared McKenna. It's kind of cool how hearing the perspective of someone outside your immediate community seems to broaden your worldview and spark creativity like these names and phrases. For this reason, siblings Tyler and Chelsea Goss felt inspired to spend a year learning and experiencing something new to them, something outside of their immediate communities. After chilling with Jared at a couple national youth conferences, they asked if they could join him in Perth, Australia, to see what his community is doing to help refugees and asylum seekers get resettled. Let's listen to the Goss Sibs reflect on their experience down under. Hey there, Punker Dunks. I'm Tyler. And I'm Chelsea. And And we're we're siblings. (laughs) And today, we're going to talk to you about the time we went to Australia. And not just for any vacay down in Australia where you're hopping with kangaroos and dancing with dingoes, (laughs) but our time in Australia where we got to spend a year with preacher and social activist Jared McKenna. Now, some of you may have heard that name before. He has been a speaker on this podcast a few times, and he is the one who coined the phrase Dunker Punks. But we first met Jared at National Youth Conference, or NYC, in 2010. Yeah, yeah. and so we were working behind the scenes at that conference, staying up late after all the activities to make sure things were going smoothly. And he was in a different time zone, so just couldn't go to sleep at a normal hour coming from Australia. So we got to hang out um, kind of after the events of the day happened and get to hear his stories, got to hear his stories, and just about his work there in Australia. And we were like, Jared, we really like what you're doing. And can we can we come over and like be a part of this? And and then he yeah. said, could I might come on over? <laughs> Pretty much exactly like that. <laughs> and so we in 2014 ended up going to Australia for a year to be a part of um, what he was doing out there. There is so much that we could share about our time in Australia. So much. So let's start at the very beginning. A very good place to start. (laughs) Day one in Perth. Day one. (laughs) Yeah, day one. We went to a nonviolent protest. There were arrests, strip searches, people getting bailed out of jail. And Chelsea and I provided child care. Yeah, we did. (laughs) To give you a little context of what was happening. This was all about refugees and asylum seekers. So the number of people were fleeing countries, war-torn areas for their lives, and they would come by boat to Australia. So Australians are known to be pretty chill people, but the government when it comes to refugees, is definitely not. And so these refugees seeking asylum would come, get put in detention centers on the islands outside of, like, the mainland, and then be stuck there for a number of years oftentimes. And so a number of babies were born in those detention centers. And this protest was just asking the politicians to say, hey, we should stand up for the rights of the babies. They, they're born in 
these jails, they should be allowed to have a decent start to their life. They should be allowed to come to Australia. So part of the protest, you know, so we have Jared and some church leaders who went into the politician's office and had a sit in the whole day. And then the rest of the crew was outside um, with families and small children playing in the park across the road just to show like, you know, this is about the kids and they here are Australian kids that are no different than the kids that are growing up behind bars on the island. And within the politician's office, you would have uh, Jared and the protesters um, with flowers. They brought a, a bouquet of flowers to the receptionist and said, this is going to be a hard day for you. Um, and we, we, we recognize that, but this is really important, the stuff that we're doing here. So we brought you these flowers because we recognize it's not going to be a normal day for you. And then they would sit in circles and pray and sit in silence and sing songs. And then when the police came, the protesters broke out a bunch of cookies and gave the cookies (laughs) to the police officers because it wasn't about trying to get all angry at the politicians or trying to get angry at the police officers. It was about the children. And um, I think what captures this whole sentiment best is that the government had these slogans of no way, turn Mm -hmm. back the boats, no way, we do not want refugees here. But Jared and his church crew said, love makes a way. In fact, that was the name of their movement, love makes a way. So the bouquet of flowers, the cookies, the showing love throughout all of this, making sure that children um, have a safe space in Australia. It was all about love makes a way. And that was just day one. So you can imagine the stories that we have for the whole year being in Australia. (laughs) But the day-to-day life, what we did was we worked with what was called as First Home Project. And First Home Project was started by the community that surrounded Jared um, and his family. And it was was a refugee resettlement community uh, that well, at one point, the, the community building, the main building there was a church, yeah. but then the church stopped churching and eventually it became a meth lab, yeah. um, typical <laughs> transition, true. you know, and, and then the police busted it, went up on the market. And so Jared and the community and his family, they bought this, uh, this big building and they made it into three separate apartments. One apartment was a family of seven, refugee family of seven. Another one was a bunch of young adults, um, refugees. refugees. And then there was Jared's apartment. And that's where we lived for the year. And then across the street, there was another refugee. Yeah, uh, we ended up buying that house. house and then next to our neighbor. So we just kept getting more houses. We took up the whole call to At different refugee families and individuals would come and live and be supported by this community of other refugees and Australians who wanted to be a part of this community. And so we lived there and, you know, we're there day to day helping to tutor in English and math and helping to take phone calls and working in the garden with the neighbors and and then what yeah. and then on the weekends on every Friday every single Friday oh, we would so have fun. these giant like potluck party, not even potluck. It was just like these huge <laughs> meals. Um, and they put potlucks to shame. I'm sorry, brethren, but this, these meals were <laughs> delicious. Um, and and it was like 
fresh chicken cooked over the campfires outside and great like rice dishes. <laughs> oh, it was great. And there was laughing and there was dancing, a ton of dancing. Yeah. And we told from stories. Different, like everyone brought their style of dancing from their different cultures. And so you would learn Persian dancing one night. And, <laughs> and then Congolese dancing, dancing the yeah, next night. It was and, fun. and it was like a mixture of refugees that could come together from across Perth and like and in, in build community and get to know one another and help each other out throughout um, this transition into living in Australia. But it also was full of Australians who could provide work opportunities and get to know the different refugees. And it was to build um, one community, Australians and refugees together. Mm-hmm. And just being a welcoming spirit and showing like as Christians, like what love looks like. Cause a lot of these refugees aren't Christians, you know, but just to be welcomed for whoever they are, wherever they're coming from, as like, you know what, this is, this is love, and we can all believe in this, and we can all um, be one together and help each other out, no matter who you are, and no matter what life circumstances you've had in your life. Love makes a way. One of the other things we were really involved in while in Australia was the church there and working with the young adults. And one of my favorite memories was our first Bible study. Jared was the Bible study leader. There was a big young adult crew there. And we were being introduced to the group. And we were like, yeah, we're we're Chelsea and Tyler. We come from the U.S. We're Church of the Brethren. And they were like, you're what? <laughs> and, you know, I was expecting, oh, they don't know what Church of the Brethren is. Like most people always say that. And they're like, you're Church of the Brethren? <laughs> like, yeah, like legit, authentic Church of the Brethren. <laughs> and we're like, yeah like that's so cool that's so cool and they went on to say you know they've been studying our denomination and implementing things like foot washing into their church and really interested in our like our values and how we live out our christian faith and um yeah it was just fun to kind of (laughs) Feel like a superstar. I'm like, wow, yeah, we're a church of the brethren. But then they said, like, don't let it get your head. You you can't tell other people that you're brethren. And we're yeah. like, what? No, yeah. you just told us we were awesome. And then now we're like, we can't claim that. And like, you don't understand. Brethren in Australia refers to Plymouth Brethren. And Plymouth Brethren are like a scary cult, like Westboro Baptist Church in Australia kind of thing. So don't say you're brethren. Yeah. They're gonna associate you with the wrong group here. So, so we had to like say we're like we're, we're dunkers or like Anabaptists or like yeah, followers yeah. or we had to come up with all these different ways of referring to ourselves. Yeah, but one of my biggest takeaways with working with the young adults there was that working with the church there is different than the United States because in the United States people usually grow up with this like like if you have someone in your family who's a church goer, like you have this expectation or this like tradition you know, of like you, your family goes to church. That's what right, you do. <laughs> right. And so even if you don't go every week, eh, maybe you go on Christmas and Easter with your grandma, you know, but then in Australia, grandmas don't go to church. <laughs> okay. Maybe some do, but most don't. It's not this generational thing. So anyone that's going to church, has chosen to go to church, usually in their adult life. So the young adults that we were working with hadn't gone to church since they were, like, children. They had just decided to start, like, following the way of Jesus and so eager to learn and to put what they've learned into action and just, like, really embracing what it looked like to walk in the footsteps of Jesus and to live a Christian life. 
Yeah, it, it, it's like it, it wasn't the expectation for them to go to church. So they were being like countercultural and yeah. like rebellious. And it made me like think about our baptism in a whole new light. Like, why, why aren't I, why, why aren't I, why aren't we more on fire for our faith like they are? Like this, this is a rebellion to follow Christ and this mm-hmm. is a revolution. And that's what it felt like. Yeah, it was, it was a neat thing to be a part of. So I guess like this gives you an idea of some of the things that we were a part of working with refugees on our day-to-day basis, going to actions, working with the church there. Um, Getting arrested, you know. (laughs) No, we didn't get arrested. (laughs) We didn't want to get kicked out of Australia. (laughs) Um, But I guess just to give you some of our takeaways from our time there. One of the takeaways that um, really sticks with me uh, in that same vein of like faith and, and Bible studies and like young adults, like really on fire for the faith, um, is I remember hearing often from Jared as we're doing Bible studies, he would say, that's it. But that's not all of it. Like mm-hmm. we, we'd be talking about some parable or something and he'd be like, what do you all think that means? And, you know, we'd say, oh, yeah, miracles and bread and wine and those kind of things. He'd be like, that's it. But that's not all of it. Meaning like, yeah, what you're saying is true, but like there's more to the story. There's a deeper mm-hmm. meaning. Mm-hmm. And I think one way that like helped me frame that is he would often say, like a lot of times you read scripture and you're looking for the spirituality. You're looking for that spiritual answer from scripture. And like, that's it. But that's not all of it. If you want to get all of it, you need to start with the revolution and the spirituality will follow. You need to start with the revolution of Christ, with how mm-hmm. countercultural it is to love your enemies and to look for this like upside down kingdom that Jesus was creating. Uh, that's the revolution. And the spirituality, when you started with that, the spirituality was so still there, but it was so much richer and had so much more meaning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think one of my takeaways from being at the church there and my experience back in the U.S. So in the U.S., I found that, you know, I was doing some church shopping through college or like I've lived in a lot of different locations. There's not always Church of the Brethren. So I'll go to non-denominational churches or other places. And I found that there is this message of like, uh, you need to repent for your sins because you're a bad person or you'll go to hell and you need to be saved. And it's all about like you being saved Um and, and your personal Lord and Savior, yeah, Jesus for Christ. Your person- yeah. yeah, yeah. And I found that message like time and time again. And I was like, this doesn't embrace all of what, like, what I feel like Christianity is to me and my walk in faith. And so it kind of turned me off from those churches and like, like, is this who I, like, who, what Christianity is? Like, this doesn't feel right to me. That's it, um, but that's not all of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And so then, so then I was, like, really turned away from any church that used words, like, cr- really churchy words, like, repent or saved or salvation, because I just, like, was like, no, that there's more. There's not all of it. <laughs> um, but then getting to Australia and going to this church that really embraces a lot of the church that Brethren values and then still used words like repent and saved and salvation. But in this new, different light, um, it kind of opened up my eyes to like, oh, okay, there's like a different meaning to some of that. And I don't have to be scared of these words. And I don't know, Tyler, you have yeah, good Yeah, like it, they take on this. more, they took on um, a, a deeper, richer meaning. And so, for example, the, um, the, the story of Moses and the Israelites, right? Like, that is a story where it is a people who experience salvation. And it is a very real in life, like they are freed from slavery. 
Um, and like to think about salvation from more of an Israelite's perspective just takes on a whole new meaning. You know, in America, we might talk about your, your personal salvation and the afterlife. But when you think of it through a lens of like the Israelites and Moses, it was like my salvation is wrapped up in everyone else's salvation. You know, the Israelites, it was a people that were being saved and saved from the very real tangible cruelty of slavery. Um, and so it was, it, was in, it was in this life and it, and it, was, uh, and it was a community-focused salvation. And that just felt such a fuller picture of what we're trying to get at when we say words like salvation. Mm-hmm. I kind of felt like some of these words, like in the churches that I grew up in, like didn't use those words as much. And so, but now it's like, oh no, those aren't bad words. Like, like we can reclaim them a we, little bit. Yeah, we can reclaim them and like use them for maybe like a bigger picture of what they might mean. Yeah. yeah. So Dunker Punk Podcasters, what what is that word that you need to <laughs> reclaim? <laughs> it's your homework. <laughs> another like another thing that um, I think stuck with us was this idea of of community yeah. and what it kind yeah. of means to to be in community with people who you're who, who are not like you at all. Mm-hmm. And I think especially working with like Jared, we've talked about him a lot, but to make all this happen, it's not just him. Like it's his family and his church community and the refugee community and like this close knit crew that was around him that was all working together to like plan the actions for the non-pro- uh, nonviolent protests and to make Friday nights happen and to house the refugees. Like it took the community to really make this positive change. And Jared's the face of that for many, but just how involved it was and to work with one another. And it just made me appreciate community mm-hmm. <laughs> and the togetherness that us brethren are so about. Like it put it on another level for me. I yeah. Think. First Corinthians twelve twelve. anyone? I mean, I'm feeling like we're getting all kinds of parts of the body working together. <laughs> yeah, the community was incredible. And I think I found it very um, life-giving to be in a space around people to be in a community with people that were so different with like mm-hmm. our next door neighbors were Muslim and mm-hmm. like from Afghanistan. And then we also like, we were in Australia already. It was a different culture. Mm-hmm. Um, but it also was so similar to America. Like we got to look at our own life and our own faith from through the eyes of others um, mm-hmm. in such a new way. Yeah. Um, speaking of like looking at our, at our faith in a new lens, one of our refugee friends, his name was Ebby. Ebby. Uh, Ebby. Oh, uh, he's from Iran. And um, he, uh, what, what a gift, what a gift. He, he was the jokester in the group. There's about 12 guys um, from Iran that came over. Um, yeah. And he was known for like, we went to the park with a bunch of ducks and he put a box on his head and chased around the, the ducks <laughs> in the park. Like that's the kind of character Abby was. So Abby and I were helping him move in um, to the new house um, on the other side of the call to, uh, on the other side of the cul-de-sac from um, Jared's apartment. And um, he didn't have anything in the house. Like he had maybe his suitcase, but like no food. He needed to get some new shoes, new clothes, all those good things. And he didn't have a car. And so he asked me to go down um, to to the local mall. Um, it was about a 30-minute walk or so. And I was like, yeah, cool, cool, cool. We'll, we'll go down to the mall. And when we get there, you know, we, we get um, all kinds of food, sugar and spice, um, a big bag of rice, 
um, new shoes, oh so nice, and other things that don't rhyme. Like we got all these awesome things for Abby, bags and bags and bags of it, and like our arms are like packed full. And then like he, he has like he whips out like a Red Bull or something and like drinks it beforehand. And like we set out on this trek for a thirty minute walk back, and like like we get like we're sweating and we get back, and my arms are tired. Like bags, oh these are so heavy. We've been up all day, and then Abby turns to me and he says, Tyler. I have nothing. <laughs> and I, I look at Evie. I'm like, Evie, my arms beg to differ. Like, have you seen everything that you just bought? And he says, no, Tyler, I have nothing because everything I have is for Christ. It's awesome how rich and full your life becomes when you... Um, live in community, especially when you start to bring in other people into your community that aren't necessarily like you, who come from different cultures, who have different stories to share, and then to learn from those and to really try to understand each person's story. And I think it just opens yourself up to um, better understanding the world, better understanding Jesus's message of love and welcoming others in yeah, it kind of it kind of reminds me of the the work that we would do as the young adult coordinators in the mm-hmm. church. With welcoming. Yeah. Yeah. Cuz it was interesting. So we're young adult coordinators and our job was to welcome people in, especially others who just got to the church, but we're new there. Like it could be our first Sunday and we're welcoming people in. And I think it made us realize, you know, for me, like going into a new place, I kind of expect whoever's the person who's been there for a long time or the regular to be the one welcoming me in. But in this situation, we're the newbies and we're welcoming. I'm like, oh, like I don't need a title or to be the regular person always going to be the one welcoming. Like just the title of being a Christian, that's enough to like to be welcoming wherever you are. If it's your first Sunday at a church or if it's your hundredth, if it's your first day at a job or if it's your fifth year, like no matter where you are in life, like it's our call to love and to welcome others and their story wherever they are yeah and like not not only is it our call but it's essential to our call to understanding where we are in this whole faith business like Hmm. like like we said the story of ebby and the story of the refugees and the work that we did surrounding ourselves with others by welcoming their stories into our lives it grew to be our lives grew so much richer and so much more meaningful Yeah. yeah You Think, know, one voice that hasn't yeah, been yeah. fully represented. We both know it. We know it's true. It, it just, there is one voice um, or one laugh, more moreover, that, that, that hasn't been um, properly represented in an Australian podcast. And I think you can't have an Australian podcast without this. Yeah, um, I think you're right. Let's, let's hear it. <laughs> So you couldn't go a day without hearing a kookaburra in Perth, Australia. And it didn't matter how your day was going, good or bad. It always put a smile on your face, at least for me. And it's hard not to laugh back and just, like, lift up your spirits. Yeah, when you hear that (laughs) coming from a little bird in the the gold gum tree. (laughs) Oh. Uh, So good. Yeah. I think we're kind of coming to a close here. And what I'm thinking is that maybe it'd be good to um, send everyone off with a little bit of a a benediction. Yeah, a benediction that we learned 
uh, at the church that we worked at, mm, and yeah. it was spoken every Sunday. So we'll offer it up to you all as a little way to close off our podcast. We acknowledge today that we have come together as the church to be reminded about the go of Christ. So go out and feed the hungry. Go out and clothe the naked. Go out and fight for justice. Go out and end oppression. Go out and proclaim anew the old, old story. Go out and reach those who are running from God and God's church. And go out and associate with those who don't act like us, think like us, look like us, and even those who don't like us. And do it all in the name of the one who sent us, Jesus. This is super cool to hear about Tyler and Chelsea. Thanks for sharing. Makes me think of how for generations, brethren have practiced their faith through service in their home communities and abroad. It's great to help people for sure, but honestly, it's also a means to travel and experience new cultures. When all you've ever known is the environment you grew up in, it's kind of hard to connect to persons who grew up in different cities or different countries, essentially different worlds than you. We've all seen the refugees and asylum seekers on the news, but it's hard to relate to them. We just don't know what it's like. Chelsea and Tyler took a journey to discover what it was like and paint us a pretty good picture. This reminds me of the story in Luke where Jesus sent out the 72 disciples to speak peace and love and live among people abroad. We've heard from a lot of Dunker Punks about their journeys that they've taken, but what journeys have you gone on, Dunker Punks? Where do you feel called to go? One other thing that's come up in this episode and previous episodes with Jared McKenna that I thought would be a fun note to end on is the idea of reclaiming words. I know Tyler was joking a bit when he asked the question, Dunker Punks, what word is it you need to reclaim when talking about the term brethren in Australia? But it's actually something I've thought a lot about lately. The idea of the title Dunker Punks is to reclaim two words that have previously had negative connotations in certain parts of society. Dunker was used in jest at the way we perform baptisms, and punks are usually thought of as troublemakers, but not in like the John Lewis kind of way. The idea of Dunker punks is to reclaim those terms to say that we go against the flow of society when our faith and belief in love and peace calls for us to do that. It's my perspective that the term Christianity has left a bad taste in many mouths for centuries for all the hypocrisy and atrocities that have been committed under that title. How do we reclaim Jesus's name? What other words need reclaiming? I'm really interested to hear what you think about this concept and the other ideas that Chelsea and Tyler brought up in their conversation today. The Dunker Punks podcast is made up of heralds of love who are making the way for peace on the daily. This episode was created by Tyler and Chelsea Goss, edited and hosted by yours truly, Jacob Krause. Intro music today was written and recorded by Friends with the Weather, and I made any supplemental music you've heard. Taylor Cole manages communication, Suzanne Lay manages production, and the Arlington Church of the Brethren and On Earth Peace are the show's sponsors. You can find us online at arlingtoncob.org slash dpp on social media at dunkerpunkspod and you can email us with questions or comments 
at dpp at arlingtoncob.org. We're currently looking for a new host to start the spring 2021 season. So if you think you might be interested, please give us an email at dpp at arlingtoncob.org. It's that time of year. It's the Christmas season. It's the season of giving. Do you feel a little bit generous? Maybe you have some uh, commute money left over. Feel free to make an end of the year donation at bit.ly slash dpp underscore donor. That's B-I-T dot L-Y slash DPP underscore donor to give a designated tax deductible donation on Arlington Church of the Brethren's PayPal site. Become a Dunker Punks podcast donor if you also value hearing from young adult voices. Like I said, it is that time of year. This is it for this season. It's been a long, weird year and making these podcasts and listening and editing the stories that our contributors have given us has truly been a blessing and a reminder that there's great things happening all over, even during a pandemic. It's been a reminder that love makes a way for justice and a brighter tomorrow. Dunker Punks, I hope you've gotten as much out of listening to these episodes as I have. Whether you're by yourself or with some family or friends, I hope you have a lovely Christmas and a hopeful new year. For me, I'll be riding the nostalgia train, blasting Reliant K Christmas tunes, baking good cookies, and marathoning the Harry Potter series, as you do. Please stay safe and well, my friends, and I look forward to being with you in the new season and the new year. Sending much love to you from the Dunker Punks podcast team. Let's go out with one final word from Tyler and Chelsea. Well, so long, Dunker Punks. That's it. But that's not all of it. 